What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So I haven't recorded an episode in a few days. I do apologize. Had some things to take care of and things to figure out, so I've been busy over the last few days. But in today's episode, I'm going to give you a preview of the 2023 FIBA World Cup Tournament, which will start tomorrow, August 25th. I'm going to give you a breakdown of the entire pool, all 32 teams competing. I'll talk about what team is in which group. I'll talk about players on each team, where they finished in years past, if this is their third time in the tournament, their eighth time, how many times they've won a medal. I'll give you a breakdown of all of that and give you some players to keep an eye on on each team. So to start off, I'll give you a breakdown of what the tournament consists of, which it is 32 teams competing, five from Africa, seven from North and South America, eight from Asia, and 12 from Europe. It's going to run from August 25th through September 10th, and it'll take place in three different host countries, the Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia. I'm going to give you a breakdown of the entire format, which I get from ESPN. I feel like they just explained it best. I'm just going to read exactly what they wrote, and this is from ESPN.com. So there's four teams basically in each group, right? So there's eight different groups, and there's four teams in each. So 32 teams are competing. Teams in each group play each other once. So everyone's going to play three games in the first group stage. The top two teams from each group advance to the second round of the group stage, where they will play the top two teams of another group, the bottom two teams of each group of the first group stage. So the two teams from the first group that lose are relegated to the classification round and will play the bottom two teams of another group to determine basically the order of every team 1 through 32. So you take the top two teams of the first group and they'll be going on to the second group stage where they'll be facing the top two teams of another group. So in this second group stage, every team plays against the two teams in the group that they did not face in the first round. So for instance... The Dominican Republic and Italy are in the same group, Group A. Let's say, hypothetically, both of those teams make it out of Group A. They would go on to the second group stage, Group I, where they'd be facing, let's say, hypothetically, they'd be facing whoever wins Group B. So let's say it's, I don't know, Serbia and China. Those two teams, Italy and the DR, would not play each other again. They'd be playing Serbia once and China once each to determine who's going to go on to the next round. So that's how it's going to go. Every team... So I'm going to repeat this. This is on FIBA.com, this second line that I said. Every team plays the top two teams in the group that they did not face in the first round for a total of 16 games, two games per team, and there's four games per group in this second group stage. The first and the second team of each new group will go to the final phase, which includes eight teams, and that'll determine who's going to go to the classification round, which is the best four teams to determine who's going to win the gold medal, the silver medal, and the bronze medal. So that's a breakdown of the tournament in its format, which hopefully it made some sense there. I know it's a little bit hard to understand when you're not looking at the bracket itself. I think it's easy to follow when you're on the FIBA website. It gives you the whole breakdown of the competition system. It's a lot easier to follow and understand. So the last FIBA World Cup was in 2019. It takes place every four years. And that was a World Cup that was won by Spain. Spain beat Argentina in the finals for their second title ever in the country's history. So Spain got the big win over Argentina in 2019. The most titles in World Cup FIBA history are the U.S. and Yugoslavia, each having five. So if the U.S. were to win this year, they'd break the tie and have the most ever in the tournament. So now I'm going to give you a breakdown of the group stage. So Group A, the first group. You have Angola, the Dominican Republic, the Philippines, and Italy. So we'll start off with the first team, Angola. They're an African qualifier that has actually made the tournament eight times previously. This is their ninth time making it to the FIBA World Cup. They finished 27th in 2019. They're led by five foot six point guard, Child Dandayo, who is the leading scorer in the qualifying rounds, averaging 12.1 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, 3.6 assists, averaging 3.3 steals per game in the qualifying rounds as well, and shooting 33% from three. I do apologize if I do 
mess up any of these names. I tried to look up some pronunciation guides online. Couldn't really find much luck with a lot of these names for a lot of these players that, you know, I didn't really know too much about before I did some research into this. So I do apologize if I butcher any names. As I said, wasn't really much of a guide online for some pronunciations. Angola also has a six foot nine forward who is 34 years old, Antonio Montero, who averaged 8.3 points per game, 3.9 rebounds, 1.1 steals in the qualifying round. He's a guy to keep your eye on as well. The Dominican Republic is the next team up. They finished 16th out of 32 in 2019. This year will be the fourth time that the Dominican Republic has made it into the FIBA World Cup. They are led by Minnesota Timberwolves star Carl Anthony Towns. This is the first time he's playing for the DEI since he was 16 years old. For the Timberwolves this past season, he averaged 21 points per game, 8.1 rebounds, 4.8 assists, and shot 37% from three. Obviously the headlining player here for the DEI in the tournament. The DR finished in second place behind a tough Canadian team in the second group stage of the qualifying round, so that is pretty impressive. We'll see how they do in this year's tournament. Next up is the Philippines, who automatically qualified by being a host country. This is the seventh time that they've qualified and competed in the FIBA World Cup. They finished 32 out of 32, though, in 2019, losing to Angola and Italy. They are led by Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz, who just had a career high in points this past season at 20.8 points per game, and also a career high in assists as well at 4.4 per game. There's another guy to keep your eye on in this Philippines team, and that is a 7'3 Filipino center, Kai Sato, who's only 21 years old. He just played for the Magic in the 2023 Summer League. He actually played against the Celtics as well in the Summer League, played 13 minutes, scoring 6 points, grabbing 4 boards, and a 3 blocks in those 13 minutes of action. He averaged 13.3 points per game and 9.3 rebounds per game in 4 qualifying games here for the Philippines. So that's pretty impressive. He's a guy to keep your eye on here in this group. So the last team here in Group A, it is Italy, who finished 8th place in the 2022 Eurobasket Tournament. This is their 11th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They actually have never won a medal, but they've always been pretty competitive in world tournaments. They actually could have had Paolo Boncaro play for them in this tournament, but he opted to choose for the United States instead, which is obviously a loss there for Italy. And they also are without Danilo Gallinari, one of the best Italian players ever. He will not be playing for them in this year's tournament as he's still coming back from an injury. This year's Italian team is led by Simone Fontecchio, who averaged 21 points per game, 5 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1 block, and shot 72% from 3 in 3 European qualifying games. He was actually 10 of 14 from 3 in those 3 qualifying games. He plays with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. I actually saw him play against the Celtics this past season. I was impressed with what I saw from him in person, and now he's going to lead this Italian team in this year's tournament. Matteo Spagnolo is another player to watch out for. For this Italian team, he was drafted by the Timberwolves in the second round of the 2022 NBA draft. Played for Trento in the top Italian league this past year, where he averaged 12 points per game, three and a half rebounds, one steal, and shot 32% from three. And then Nico Mannion averaged 15 points per game in eight qualifying games for the Italian team. He's another guy to keep your eye on. And one last player I want to mention is Gigi Dutome, who played two years in the NBA from 2013 to 2015, where he averaged 5.2 points per game in eight games for the Celtics in his 18th season. European career. He's a 43% shooter from three. Very dangerous shooter from three-point land. I'm excited to see what he does in this year's tournament. So now I'm going to go on to Group B. So that's it for Group A. Now Group B consists of South Sudan, Serbia, China, and Puerto Rico. South Sudan is actually their first time ever qualifying for the FIBA World Cup. They were 11-1 in the qualifying rounds in Africa, so that's pretty impressive. They were an Afro qualifier similar to Angola, which was the first team I mentioned in Group A. So for the South Sudan team, they are led by Nuni Amat, who is the leading scorer in the African qualifiers for them, averaging 15.1 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, and 37% shooting from three. He's a former Baylor Bear, where he played his college basketball Baylor. He played one game in the NBA for the Nets and is currently playing for the Lakeland Magic of the G League, where he averaged nine points per game this past season, shooting 44% from the floor, 26% from three, 
also averaging 3.1 rebounds and 1.5 assists per game. He's a guy to keep your eye on on the South Sedan team. And an interesting quote I saw in a FIBA article online was he was asked what type of team South Sedan is. And Amat noted, people probably aren't still too fond of us because this is our first year going into the World Cup, but they don't understand the type of talent that we have, the type of players that we have, the mindset, how hungry many guys are, the type of work people put in in the offseason, during the season. And I liked that quote. People are probably going to underestimate the Celtic team. I think they could surprise some people in this year's tournament. I'm not saying they're going to go too far, but I think they could definitely qualify out of the first group stage and get to the second group stage. We'll see my predictions, though, at the end of the episode. Celtic also has Talton State point guard Moran Getkuth, who played in 12 African qualifying games, averaging 7.2 points per game and 40% shooting from three. So obviously one thing to look out for is his shooting ability. He also did play, as I said, for Tarleton State, who actually played Boston College last year in November. They ended up beating BC, actually, in that game. Ended up being their first Power 5 win in program history. They beat BC 70-54 to in that game. He actually came down with two rebounds in that game versus BC. 6'6", six six, so he does have some height as well. He's a guy to keep your eye on. Obviously, his shooting ability is definitely dangerous. And then Luol Dang is another guy I want to mention for the Celtic team. He's actually involved with recruiting talent for this team. So we'll see how good of a team he put together. But I think this team could definitely compete and surprise some people in this year's tournament. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, there you hear my predictions at the end of the episode. So the next team I'm going to mention is Serbia, who's actually the favorite here in this Group B. They were 2-1 in the friendlies, losing by one point to Italy in their only loss. They're led by Bogdan Bogdanovic of the Atlanta Hawks, who averaged 14 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, and 2.8 assists per game this past year for Atlanta. Also shot 41% from three as well for the Hawks. He's a guy to keep your eye on, their best player overall. They also have Nikola Jovic, who is a first-round pick in the 2022 NBA draft to the Miami Heat. He could potentially be part of a package to land Damian Lillard in Miami at some point. For Jovic, though, he played professionally in Serbia for two years before making it to the NBA last year. We averaged 11.7 points per game in two years in Serbia and shot 36% from three. He's a guy to keep your eye on on this team. They also have a couple other NBA players as well, including Oklahoma City Thunder forward Alexei Pokushevsky, who is seven foot. He's a power forward for the Oklahoma City Thunder, only 21 years old, very young. He averaged eight points per game this past season for the Thunder with 4.7 rebounds per game, two assists, and also shot 37% from three. He's a guy to keep your eye on. And then the last player I'm going to mention for this Serbian team is Filip Petrosev, who is actually a Philadelphia 76's draft pick. He played this past year in Serbia, playing 24 games in their top league in Serbia, averaging 11.1 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 0.8 blocks, and also shot 52.5% from three in 24 games. Shooting 52.5% from three is not easy at all, even though he only took 1.73 point attempts per game, making 0.9 threes per game. That's still not easy at all, shooting 52.5% from three. So he's a guy to definitely keep your eye on in the Serbian team. Serbia has actually won two gold medals in the country's history in 1998 and 2002. Unfortunately, they do not have Nikola Jokic in this year's tournament. He's obviously a big loss there considering how dominant of a player he's been in the NBA the last three or four seasons or so. He's definitely lost there, but he still has some talent to definitely compete and make a run in this year's tournament. This will be their seventh time qualifying for the FIBA World Cup, as I said, winning the gold in 1998 and 2002, and also brought home the silver in 2014. So now I'm going to move on to China, which is the third team here in Group B. 
They are led by Minnesota Timberwolves forward Kyle Anderson, who's six foot nine, two hundred thirty pounds. This past season for Minnesota, he actually averaged nine point four points per game, five point three rebounds, four point nine assists, one point one steals, shooting forty one percent from three for Minnesota, also fifty one percent from the floor. From a first round pick to the San Antonio Spurs in twenty fourteen, has had a good career in the NBA. Just twenty nine years old now, and has made a little bit more of a name for himself over the last couple seasons. His best season came in the 2020-2021 season, where he averaged 12.4 points per game to go along with 5.7 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.2 steals, 0.8 blocks, shooting 36% from three in 69 games for Minnesota. He's been solid for them, though, over the last few years. He's been playing a little bit of small forward, power forward over his career. He'll definitely take a lot of the shooting opportunities here for China in the tournament. I'm sure they're going to ask a lot of him considering he's the only NBA player on their team. This is China's 10th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've actually never won a medal, and they were 1-2 and two in three friendlies heading into this year's tournament, losing to Serbia and Italy. So now the fourth team in Group B is Puerto Rico who actually has no NBA players on their roster. This is their 15th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal. The best they've ever placed was fourth in 1990. Jose Alvarado would have been their best player who is an NBA player, but he's out with an injury, unfortunately. Puerto Rico played a pretty hard, friendly schedule. They actually had four of their six friendlies coming against teams in the top 10 of the FIBA rankings. They lost to the United States 117-74, to lost to Italy 98-65. to but they did win a close game against the DR, winning 93-86. And in that game, they got 22 points and 9 rebounds from one of their best players, George Condit IV, who has played well in friendlies. He's actually playing in college basketball right now for Iowa State. He's a 6'10 forward who averaged 4.3 points per game and 3.5 rebounds per game this past season for Iowa State. Philip Wheeler is another guy that will catch some eyes on this team. And then the last player I'm going to mention is Tremont Waters, who is actually a point guard for the Celtics at one point. He played two years at LSU in 2018 and 2019, averaging 15.6 points per game for the Tigers and 5.9 assists per game. He's a guy to keep an eye on on this Puerto Rico team. Now moving on to Group C, which consists of the United States, Jordan, Greece, and New Zealand. The USA has a loaded roster of young talent, with the best player being Anthony Edwards, in my opinion. I always said he was going to be a future NBA MVP at some point, but he could be very well the MVP of this tournament if the U.S. ends up on top and wins. Paulo Boncaro of the Orlando Magic is another player on this year's team. Mikel Bridges of the Nets. Boncaro plays for the Magic. Jalen Brunson of the Knicks. Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves. Tyrese Halliburton of the Indiana Pacers. Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies, Brendan Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans, Walker Kessler of the Utah Jazz, Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks, Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers, and then Cameron Johnson of the Brooklyn Nets. That's their roster. It's pretty deep. A lot of NBA talent there. The U.S. has actually won five gold medals in FIBA World Cup history, the last coming in 2014. As I said, they tied with Yugoslavia for the most in FIBA World Cup history. The U.S. finished seventh in 2019, which was actually their worst placement ever for a United States squad. They had Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Miles Turner, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and still somehow disappointed. Ended up 6-2 and two for a record, which wasn't bad, but they did not place at all in that year's tournament. They were actually a perfect 5-0 and in this year's friendlies. With their last game being against Germany, which was a close one to end their exhibition games, Germany was actually up by 16 points at one point in that game. Dennis Schroeder was absolutely balling for the German team. But then Anthony Edwards got hot in the fourth quarter, scoring 14 of his 34 points in the game in the fourth quarter. So 14 points in the fourth quarter really put the USA on his back. The U.S. ended up closing the game on a 22-5 run to win the game. And Anthony Edwards ended up being the team leader in points for the U.S. team in four of their five exhibition games, averaging 19 points per game. Austin Reeves and Tyrese Halliburton came off the bench in this game against Germany and scored 16 points apiece. The only double-digit scorers in this game besides Anthony Edwards.
So the USA starting five consists of Jalen Brunson, who actually had a career high in points and assists per game this past season for the Knicks. Anthony Edwards, as I said, the headlining player here on this USA team, the best player overall, I'd say, on this U.S. team, and is definitely capable of winning MVP of the tournament. Mikel Bridges, Brandon Ingram, and Jaron Jackson Jr., Jaron Jackson just won NBA Defensive Player of the Year this past season. He's going to be asked to do a lot in the paint for this U.S. team in the tournament. But if you look at this U.S. team, it's very deep, definitely capable of winning the tournament. That's why they're the favorite with all this NBA talent. What a young talent that likes to run the floor. Tyrese Halliburton, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Walker Kessler. These guys like to run the floor, like to score. Anthony Edwards is definitely going to be slashing and driving down the paint each and every possession, giving it his all everything he's got each and every second of the game. I like this USA team. I think they're going to make a run. I think they're definitely capable of winning the finals. I'll give you a breakdown of my predictions at the end of the episode, but they also have very good coaches as well around them. They get Steve Kerr as the head coach, Eric Spolster and Ty Lue as assistant coaches, and then Gonzaga's Mock Few is also a coach for this U.S. team. So they have a lot of great talent and also a lot of great coaches as well. So the sky is the limit for this U.S. team in this year's tournament. The next team up in this Group C is Jordan, who actually has no NBA players on their roster. This is their second appearance in a row in the FIBA World Cup, their third overall in the country's history. They have two headlined players, including Doc Tucker, who was actually a former G League standout. He played in the G League in the early 2010s. He actually won G League Most Improved Player of the Year in 2011. In his five years in the G League, he averaged 16 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, and shot 31% from three. And now has had a long career overseas after playing very well in the G League for five seasons. And then I would say their best player overall is probably Freddie Ibrahim, who's actually a point guard for this Jordan team. And he's a guy that's probably going to be asked to do a lot offensively, along with Dot Tucker as well. These two guys are going to be the lead role here for Jordan, especially on this year's squad. These two guys are the best scorers, so they're going to be asked to do a lot. That's usually what happens. Usually you just ask your best player to take you and carry you in these tournaments, especially when you don't have really many NBA players to rely on. Whoever your best player is professionally, you typically rely on them to go and try to get things done, like Slovenia did with Luka Doncic during the Olympics a few years ago. Ended up getting fourth overall place. And like some other teams do as well, I'm sure Colin Anthony Towns is going to be asked to do a lot for the Dominican Republic team in this year's tournament. But anyways, to get back on track, talking about Jordan, Ibrahim is considered one of the best players in the whole entire Jordan Premier League. And he actually played in 20 games for Orthodox in the Jordan Premier League this past season, averaging 20 points per game, 9.2 assists, 5.5 rebounds, and 2.3 steals per game. He's a guy that's not afraid to toss up threes. He's definitely going to catch eyes. And I'd say is one of the best players in this group, Group C, that nobody really knows about yet. But he's a guy that's going to catch eyes rather quickly, I'd say, for his ability to score and shoot threes. He's not afraid to drive down the paint as well and also plays very good defense. He's an all-around good player, and I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a look in the NBA. So the next team up here in Group C is Greece, who is led by Giannis Antetokounmpo's brother, Thanasis Antetokounmpo. He's the only NBA player on this Greek team. Giannis is out with an injury, which is obviously a big loss for Greece. His brother, Thanasis, averaged six points per game, 1.4 rebounds, and shot 38% from three in five FIBA World Cup games in 2019. This is Greece's 10th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They actually won the silver in 2006. They are led by one of the best international coaches, Demetrius Atutis. So they're always going to be dangerous because of how well he can game plan. It definitely has some talent as well in this Greek team. Even though Giannis isn't playing, they still have some talent to try to make a run, although they were two and three in five exhibition games defeating Slovenia twice, losing to Italy once, and then losing to Serbia twice. They are also led by former Stephen F. Austin point guard, Thomas Walkup, who played 
in college basketball from 2012 to 2016. He is a starting point guard, averaged 13 points per game for Stephen F. Austin, 5.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists, and also 1.3 steals per game. He's a guy to keep your eye on for this Greek team. And then New Zealand, they actually have no NBA players on this year's roster. In one of their exhibition games, they were blown up by 31 points against Canada, but those are only exhibition games at the end of the day. You still have to play in the real tournament. The friendlies really don't mean much once you start the real tournament, which starts tomorrow, as I said. This is their sixth consecutive World Cup appearance for New Zealand. The best player is Corey Webster who I didn't see on their updated roster, but they definitely need him in this year's tournament. He's a 34-year-old that averaged 14.3 points per game, three rebounds, 2.1 assists, and shot 40% from three in the New Zealand Professional Basketball League this past season. In the 2019 FIBA tournament, he averaged 23 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 5.6 assists, and shot a crazy 55% from three, making 4.8 three-pointers per game out of 8.8 attempts which is very impressive. 4.83s made per game out of 8.8 attempts, shooting 55% from three is ridiculous. In 11 career FIBA games for Webster, he averaged 18 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, and shot 44% from three. Obviously, as you can tell, they definitely need him out there on the floor. And then one other player to look out for, and this is probably the best player if Webster doesn't play, Finn Delaney, who had 12 points and 13 points in two exhibition games for New Zealand. He was 5 of 12 from three in those two games. He's a six foot seven power forward that averaged 9 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, and shot 38% from three for the Telecom Baskets in the German Basketball League this past season. Actually led them to a 27-2 record this past year. Now next up is Group D, which has Egypt, Mexico, Montenegro, and Lithuania. Egypt has no NBA players. This is their seventh appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal, actually, in any of their previous times being in the tournament. They were 1-3 in their four exhibition games, but were close games in their losses. They lost by 11 to China, lost by 6 to Mexico, and lost by 6 to Lebanon. They did beat Georgia in their only win. Their best player is 32-year-old shooting guard Amir Abdelahim who scored 42 points against South Sudan in Egypt's final African qualifying game in February. He was 6-12 from three-point range in that game. He averaged 17 points per game, four rebounds, and shot 40% from three in the qualifying games for Egypt. So Abdelahim is definitely a guy to keep your eye on when you're watching this Egyptian basketball team. They also have a six foot one guard, Ahab Salah, who is a pure scorer, who averaged 17 points per game in five qualifying games. Had 3.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and 2 steals per game as well. And then Anas Mahmoud could be a force for Egypt in the paint. He's a 7-foot center who played at Louisville in college from 2014 to 2018. In four qualifying games for Egypt, he had 8 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 4.3 assists, and 2.8 blocks per game. He's a guy to keep your eye on for this Egyptian basketball team. Next up is Mexico, who has no NBA players. This is their 11th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal in years past. Paco Cruz is their best player who averaged 12.2 points per game in the 2014 FIBA World Cup. That was the last time Mexico was in the FIBA World Cup tournament. Cruz is now 33 years old, but he can still get buckets. He averaged 17 points per game in the Turkish Professional Basketball League this past season, shooting 43% from three and also averaged a steal per game as well. In eight seasons playing professional basketball internationally, he averaged 13.5 points per game and shot 40% from three in those 210 games. He would definitely catch eyes with his scoring ability. That's definitely got to keep your eye on for that Mexican basketball team. Montenegro is led by Nikola Vucevic, who is the best player by far, and I'd say the best player overall in Group D. He averaged 17.6 points per game and 11 rebounds per game off of 52% shooting from the floor and 35% from three this past year for the Bulls. 
In the 2019 World Cup, he also played for Montenegro then. He averaged 14.6 points per game and 6.4 rebounds per game in those games for Montenegro. This is Montenegro's second ever FIBA World Cup appearance. They made it back in 2019 as the smallest country in the tournament. We'll see what they do in this year's tournament, but just making it again for a second time in a row is definitely impressive on its own. Then Lithuania is the last team here in Group D. This is their sixth appearance. They actually won the bronze in 2010. They're led by Jonas Valanciunas, who played in 79 games this past year for the New Orleans Pelicans in the NBA, averaging 14 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, and shot 35% from three. A big loss for this Lithuania team is not having DeMontis Sabonis, a guy that definitely could help them out in the paint and help them scoring. They would have been heavy favorites in this group if they had Sabonis alongside Valanciunas. With those two guys in the paint, it would be tough to stop both of those guys. Sabonis suffered a thumb injury during the NBA season, ended up getting treatment on it this summer, so now he's going to end up being ready for the NBA season, but he will have to miss the FIBA World Cup, unfortunately. The last guy I'm going to mention on this Lithuania team is as Ulis Tubelis, who is a power forward for this Lithuanian squad, who just graduated from Arizona and signed a two-way contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. He's a six foot eleven power forward who averaged 20 points per game this past season for the Arizona Wildcats. Also grabs 9.1 rebounds per game, 1.1 steals, 0.7 blocks, shooting 57% from the floor and 31% from three. He's definitely going to be a guy to keep your eye on when watching Lithuania. Lithuania finished ninth in the 2019 FIBA World Cup Tournament. Now moving on to Group E, which consists of Germany, Finland, Australia, and Japan. Germany came in third in the 2022 Eurobasket Tournament. This is their seventh appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They actually won the bronze in 2002. They finished 18th most recently, though, in 2019. But this year's team is dangerous. They get Dennis Schroeder of the Toronto Raptors, who just most recently played for the Lakers, ended up signing with the Raptors in free agency. Daniel Tice of the Indiana Pacers, Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic, and then his brother, Moritz Wagner, of the Orlando Magic as well. Dennis Schroeder averaged 12.6 points per game, 4.5 assists per game, and 2.5 rebounds per game, shooting 33% from three this past season for the Lakers. He had 16 points and 10 assists in the last friendly between Germany and the United States. As I said, Germany was up 16 points at one point in that game. So this team definitely is capable of making a run. They also have Franz Wagner, who is a young 6'10 forward who averaged 18.6 points per game this past season for the Magic, also shooting 36% from three, and also grabbed 4.1 rebounds per game on average. He had 17 points and 10 boards versus the U.S., along with two steals as well. And then his brother, Moritz Wagner, averaged 10.5 points per game and 4.5 rebounds per game alongside his brother on the Magic this past season. He had 14 points off the bench versus the U.S. squad as well in that last friendly. And then Daniel Tice in that game versus the U.S. had 12 points, 13 rebounds, and two blocks. He's definitely got to keep your eye on as well in the paint. I think this German squad is definitely capable of making a run and being a dark horse team to contend in this year's tournament. I don't think they're going to win it all, but I definitely see them making a run. You'll hear my predictions in just a few minutes. Next up is Finland. This is their second time ever qualifying for the FIBA World Cup. Their first time is actually in 2019, so now they've made it two straight FIBA World Cup tournaments. They're building around Jazz stuff forward Laurie Markkinen, who's the best player by far, who averaged 25.5 points per game this past season for the Jazz. Averaging 8.6 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and shot 39% from three for Utah. It was a career year for Makinen. Definitely grew into his own this past season and developed into the player that everybody thought he would be when he was drafted. And he's definitely a big reason I think the Utah Jazz is going to be a force in the Western Conference for years to come. I love what they've been building there in Utah. I've mentioned it now a few times in the podcast. That young core that they have there with a couple pieces being Ochaya Baji, Walker Kessler, Laurie Makinen, Kelly Olynyk. I really like what they've started to build in that Utah Jazz system. And now they have a lot of draft picks in years to come as well. They're going to be a team to definitely watch out for for years to come in the West. 
Now, the last player I want to mention on this Finnish basketball team is Miro Little, who's a four-star recruit to Baylor. He actually just signed with Baylor, so now he's going into his freshman year for the Bears. He's a six-foot-four guard who participated in the 2022 FIBA U18 European Championship, where he averaged 15.5 points per game, four assists, and 9.4 rebounds. He's a young player with a lot of talent, is definitely going to do a lot next to Makinen. They're going to be a fun team to watch, even though they're a long shot in this group. It'll still be fun to watch them compete, even though I don't think they come out of this group. I think there's still going to be a team that can score some points and catch some eyes, especially considering how good of a player Makinen has become over the last couple seasons. Next up in this group is Australia. This is their 14th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal, though. 13 appearances heading into this year. Now this is their 14th overall. They've never won a medal. They came in fourth, though, most recently in 2019. They did win a bronze, though, at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. They are loaded with NBA talent on this year's team, including Xavier Cooks of the Wizards, Dyson Daniels of the Pelicans, Josh Giddy of the Thunder, Josh Green of the Mavericks, Dante Exum of the Dallas Mavericks, Jock Landale of the Houston Rockets, who's actually going to miss this tournament, though, unfortunately, with an ankle injury that he suffered during an exhibition game. So he'll be a loss, but he was on this year's roster heading into the tournament. Patty Mills of the Atlanta Hawks has had a great career in the NBA. Matisse Tybal of the Portland Trailblazers and the Jack White of the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're loaded with NBA talent. A lot of young pieces to build around. I'm going to highlight a few, including Dyson Daniels and Josh Giddy. Giddy averaged 16.6 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, 6 assists, 0.8 steals and shot 33% from three this past year for OKC. And then Dyson Daniels was the eighth overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. He averaged 3.8 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, and 2.3 assists per game for the Pelicans this past season. And then Joe Ingles averaged seven points per game and shot 41% from three this past season. For the Milwaukee Bucks, he's a guy that's definitely going to help them out offensively shooting the ball. They have a lot of talent on that team. Josh Giddy can do just about anything you need if you need rebounds, playmaking, dribbling the ball up the floor, driving down the floor, shooting. He can do just about it all, Josh Giddy. So he's definitely a good player to build on. I'd say he's the best player overall on this Australian team. Next up is Japan, who's the last team here in Group E. This is their seventh appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal in years past. Their best player is Utah Watananabe, who played this past season for the Brooklyn Nets, averaging 5.6 points per game and shot 44% from three. He's a sharp shooter that they're definitely going to build their offense around. Another guy to keep your eye on is Yudai Baba, who averaged 12.3 points per game this past season in the G League. He's a guy that also can get some rebounds as well, averaging 4.8 rebounds per game, 1.4 steals, and shot 40% from three for the Texas Legends in the G League this past season. He's a guy that's definitely going to catch some eyes in this year's tournament. And then the last player I want to mention on this Japanese squad is Keisei Tamanaga, who's a 6'2 guard who averaged 13.1 points per game this past season for Nebraska in college basketball as a junior. Also shot 40% from three. His nickname is Logo K because of his ability to shoot the three-point from downtown range. He's a guy that's definitely going to help them out scoring-wise. He's a guy that definitely can make some noise for them in this group, even though I think Germany and Australia end up being the teams that come out of here. I think Japan could definitely be a tough team to beat considering they have... Three very good shooters that I already mentioned here. And Tominaga is just another one. Logo K is his nickname because of his ability to shoot from long range past a three-point line. So next up is Group F, which consists of Slovenia, Cape Verde, Georgia, and Venezuela. Slovenia finished fourth in the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. This is their fourth appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal. Luka Doncic is the headlining player in this group, one of the best players overall in the tournament. He's going to play for Slovenia, his home country. He averaged 32.4 points per game this past season for the Mavericks, along with 34% shooting from three, 8.6 rebounds, 8 assists, and 1.4 steals per game for Dallas this past year. He's definitely a guy that's going to be the main piece on this team. They're just going to hand him the ball and they go to work and try to carry us like you did in the Tokyo Olympics. Slovenia also has another player in Vlatko Chanchar who actually played 
for the Denver Nuggets this past season in the NBA. He's a six foot eight small forward who won the NBA Finals with Denver, averaging five points per game, 38% shooting from three, and 2.1 rebounds per game this past year. He's six foot eight, so definitely helps spread the floor for Slovenia. Just 26 years old, has played 130 games in the NBA over four seasons, averaging Three and a half points per game in his career alongside shooting 36% from three. He's a guy that's going to help out, hopefully, Luka Doncic on offense. Doncic did get hurt, though, in one of the exhibition games, but he should be ready to play for this start of the FIBA tournament. So next up is Cape Verde. This is actually their first appearance ever in the FIBA World Cup. They have no NBA players. They do have one player, though, that is their standout talent, and that is Ivan Almeida, who played this past season in the Portuguese Professional Basketball League, averaging 14 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 3.2 assists per game, and shot 33% from three. He also played in the qualifying round for Cape Verde, averaging 13 points per game and six rebounds per game as well. Not an elite shooter. He's not really going to help you too much from beyond the arc, but he can drive to help you score and help out the offense. And then another player to watch out for for this Cape Verde team is Walter Tavares, a seven foot three center who played in 13 games in the NBA from 15 to 17, so 2015 to 2017. That was his career in the NBA. Only played 13 games, but definitely has some talent. He's also seven foot three as well, so he's going to help them in the paint a ton. He played for Real Madrid in the Spanish Professional Basketball League this past season. He's This is his sixth season with them this past year. Average 10.4 points per game, six rebounds, and 1.9 blocks per game. Cape Verde making it for the first time is just an accomplishment on its own for its country. So, if they were to just to win even a game, that would be exceeding expectations already. The next country in this group is Georgia. This is actually their first time ever making it to the FIBA World Cup as well. First appearance ever for both Georgia and Cape Verde. Georgia lost the last qualifying game to Iceland last year, but ended up qualifying over them in a tiebreaker. So, they end up making it through a tiebreaker. It would have been Iceland if Iceland ended up winning that game by more points, but it came down to a tiebreaker and Georgia ends up making it in over them. A player to mention for this Georgia team is Goga Badatze, who played this past season for the Pacers and the Magic in the NBA, averaging 4.4 points per game and 3.6 rebounds per game in 38 total games. They also have another player in Sandro Mamou Kalashvili, who averaged 6.1 points per game, 4.3 rebounds in 43 games this past season for Milwaukee and San Antonio. He's a guy that's definitely going to be a big piece for this Georgia team. And then 34-year-old 7'1 center, Georgi Shermadini, playing in the top professional basketball league in Spain this past year. He averaged 14.4 points per game at 5.3 rebounds, also averaged 15.7 points per game in qualifying games for Georgia. They also have a 31-year-old 6'9 big man, Tarnik Shangalia, who had 30 points in a friendly versus Lithuania. He was playing in the top Italian league this past year, averaging 12.1 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, and 1.2 steals per game. So this Georgia team is very capable of making a run. A lot of height as well, if you look at it. Shermadini, 7'1", Shangalia, 6'9", Badatze, 6'11", and then you also have Mamouk Kalashvili who is six foot nine? So this team's going to be tough to defend in the paint. A lot of height and a lot of veterans as well. 34-year-old, 31-year-old, and Shermadini and Shangalia. They're going to be a tough team to beat. I think this team could definitely get out of the first group stage. Next up is Venezuela, who actually has no NBA players on this year's roster. This year is their fifth time qualifying in the FIBA World Cup. They have no medals, though, in years past. They came in 14th in the last tournament in 2019. They have nine players over 30 years old. And per NBA.com, they're the oldest team in the tournament with an average of 32 years old per player. Six foot two small forward Pedro Chorio is their best player at 18 points in their last friendly versus Brazil. Playing in the top league of Argentina 
averaged 11 and a half points per game and shot 34% from three this past year. And then Jose Maturan averaged 12.7 points per game this past year with four rebounds, 42% shooting from three in the top league of Brazil. He's a six foot five small forward that's going to have to do a lot for this Venezuelan team. Next up is Group G, the second-to-last group I'm going to mention, which includes Iran, Spain, Cote d'Ivoire, and Brazil. Iran has no NBA players on this year's roster. This is their fourth time qualifying for the FIBA World Cup. They finished 23rd in the 2019 tournament. Their best player is Benham Yakshali, who had 24.3 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 3 assists, and shot 38% from 3 with 1.8 steals per game in four qualifying games for Iran. And then the last player I want to mention is Ahmed Haddadi, who played 151 games in the NBA over his career, was injured, so not sure if he's going to be playing for Iran in this year's tournament. They definitely could use him. He's had a lot of experience playing in the NBA. He played in China this past year, averaging 12.1 points per game, 10.7 rebounds, 5.7 assists, and 1.1 blocks per game. He's played in three World Cups and two Olympics for Iran, so he's definitely going to be a big piece if he does make it onto this year's team. As I said, though, he did suffer an injury, but hopefully he is healthy and ready to play for Iran. Haddadi is 38 years old, a 7'2 center. That's an all-time great for Iran. Definitely a guy that they've built around, as I said, three World Cups and two Olympic Games. Hopefully he's able to play in this year's tournament, considering he's going to retire at some point soon. This will be his last FIBA World Cup, I'd imagine, since he's 38 years old. So hopefully he's able to play and compete for Iran in this year's tournament. Next up is Spain, coming off a 2022 Eurobasket Championship win. They actually won two golds in the FIBA World Cup as well in their history, 2006 and 2019. Most recently, as I said, was 2019, which was the last FIBA World Cup tournament. So they've won not only the FIBA World Cup tournament in 2019, but also the Eurobasket Championship as well in 2022. This is their 13th FIBA World Cup appearance. They have two NBA players on this year's roster, and that's Santi Aldama of the Memphis Grizzlies and then Usman Garuba of the Atlanta Hawks. They went 9-1 in the qualifying round. And even though they only have two players that are currently in the NBA, they have eight players that have played in the NBA in years past. Also have Rudy Fernandez, who's a great player for Spain, and then the Hernan Gomez brothers as well. Santi Aldama, which I mentioned him already, a player that plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, averaged nine points per game, 4.8 rebounds, and shot 35% from three this past season for Memphis. He's a six foot eleven power forward. Spain also has 38-year-old small forward Rudy Fernandez, who's going to call it a career after the 2024 Olympics, so this will be his last time competing in the FIBA World Cup. He averaged 5.8 points per game this past year for Real Madrid, also 11 points per game, and shot 55% from three in the qualifying round for Spain heading into this tournament. Juancho Hernan Gomez averaged 14.6 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, and shot 46% from three in five friendlies for Spain. And then Willie Hernan Gomez, his brother, averaged seven points per game and 4.7 rebounds per game this past season for the New Orleans Pelicans. Spain's always an international powerhouse, as you can tell, coming in off of a 2019 FIBA World Cup win and then also the 2022 Eurobasket Championship win as well. This team's always going to compete, especially with the height and size they have. Aldama is 6'11". Willie Hernan Gomez is 6'11", and then Juancho Hernan Gomez is 6'9". So they have a ton of height, and they're going to be definitely a force in the paint for teams to have to deal with. The next team up in this group is Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast, which is this is actually their fifth appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They're led by Mo Bamba, who's had a good career in the NBA, not a great career considering how high he was drafted, but he's averaged 7.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, and shot 36% from three in his NBA career. He's definitely a guy that's going to be asked to do a lot for this Ivory Coast team. Next up, they have six foot seven small forward Vafesa Fofana, who averaged five and a half points per game, 4.4 rebounds, and shot 32% from three this past season in France's top professional basketball league. 
And then Suleimane Diabate, a 36-year-old point guard who averaged 9 points per game, 7 assists, and 1.2 steals per game in qualifying games. He's a guy that's going to be asked to do a lot as well. Those three players, even though the Ivory Coast isn't really expected to do much, those three players are going to be expected to take on the bulk of scoring there for that Ivory Coast team. And I think Diabate alongside Mo Bamba, that could be a team that could definitely score some points. You have a point guard that could drive down the lane and kick it out, and maybe Mo Bamba could finish some plays off the glass, maybe catch some alley-oops from Diabate. He's a guy that's not afraid to drive down the lane, even though he is 36 years old. Can still score, can still shoot, and has been a good player for Ivory Coast in years past, especially in the FIBA World Cup. In 2019, averaging 8.4 points per game, along with 3.8 assists per game. So the last team up here in Group G is Brazil, who won in 1959 and 1963. This will be the 19th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. Their only NBA player being Raul Neto of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's the only NBA player on this Brazilian basketball team. He averaged 5.7 points per game in his NBA career. They also have Iago de Santos, who's a 5'9 point guard, averaging 14 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 5.4 assists, shooting 38% from three in the top German league this past year. They also have 40-year-old 6'3 point guard Marcelino Hortas, who averaged 12 points per game, 6 assists, and shot 32% from 3 in the top Spanish league this past year. So there's a breakdown of Group G. Now I'm going to go on to the last group, Group H, which consists of Canada, Latvia, Lebanon, and France. Canada was 3-2 and in 5 exhibition games, losing their last one to the Dominican Republic, but the starters did not play in the second half of that game. This is Canada's 15th appearance in the FIBA World Cup. They've never won a medal in years past. They're loaded with NBA talent, though, in this year's roster, and that's why they'll be a contender in this year's tournament. They have Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the OKC Thunder, RJ Barrett of the New York Knicks, Nikhil Alexander-Walker of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Kelly Olynyk of the Utah Jazz, Dwight Powell of the Dallas Mavericks, and also Dylan Brooks of the Houston Rockets, alongside Lou Dort of the OKC Thunder. They do not have Jamal Murray, though, unfortunately. He's definitely a big loss. They still have enough talent here to compete in this year's tournament. SGA is their best player, capable of winning MVP of the tournament. He averaged 31.4 points per game this past season for OKC in 68 games, along with five rebounds, five and a half assists, and 1.6 steals per game in 68 matches. He also averaged 19.8 points per game in friendlies for Canada heading into this tournament alongside four and a half rebounds per game as well. RJ Barrett averaged 70 and a half points per game in four exhibition games, averaging 55% shooting from three, which is excellent for him. Also shot 68% from the floor as well, along with one steal per game. Utah Jazz forward Kelly Linick is a seven-footer who averaged 12.4 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists, and shot 39% from three this past year for Utah. Lou Dort had a very good year this past year for OKC, averaging 14 points per game and 4.7 rebounds per game for the Thunder. And then their big man is Zach Eady, who ended up making the roster. They needed height playing for Purdue this past season, averaging 22.3 points per game, 12.9 rebounds, and 2.1 blocks per game. He's a 7'3 center that will help them off the bench. Their starters, though, in the tournament are Shea Gilgis, Alexandra, A.J. Barrett, Dylan Brooks, Kelly Olynyk, and Dwight Powell as well, another NBA piece on this year's roster. That team is definitely competitive and able to make a run in this year's tournament. The next team up in the last group here is Latvia. This is their first time ever qualifying for the FIBA World Cup. They were 11-1 in the pre-qualifiers and the qualifiers. They beat Finland by 37 in an exhibition game, ended up finishing 5-1 in six friendlies. They're a sneaky, dangerous team. 
but they're just in too tough of a group here to advance in. I would want them to advance, but considering they have to go up against Canada and France, it's just too tough for them to get out of this group. Their only NBA player is Davis Bertans, who has averaged eight points per game and shot 40% from three in his NBA career. They also have his brother, Darius Bertans, as well, who has averaged 10.3 points per game and shot 38% from three in the qualifying round heading into the tournament. They're without Kristaps Porzingis, who is their headlining player in every single tournament that they play internationally. He's the best player from Latvia. Unfortunately, will be out, though, due to plantar fasciitis. Next up is Lebanon, the third team here in this group. They have no NBA players. This is their fifth FIBA World Cup tournament. They have no medals, though, in years past. Their best player overall, I'd say, is Omari Spellman, who plays in the G League right now and is playing for this Lebanese national team. He averaged 19.6 points per game for the Iowa Wolves in the G League in the 1920 season. So the 2019-2020 season, he averaged just about 20 points per game alongside 7.4 rebounds and 40% shooting from three. He played for the Atlanta Hawks in 2018, averaging 5.9 points per game. Looks like he's not played, though, since the 2021 season. And another player to watch out for for this Lebanese team is Will Arakji, who is a six foot four point guard, averaging 19.5 points per game, 60% shooting from three, very dangerous shooter. Also averaged one and a half steals per game in qualifiers. I think this team definitely could compete just like Latvia. They have some talent. I think Latvia is the better team here, though. I think Latvia ends up, ends up finishing third in this group. I think Lebanon finishes fourth. They definitely have talent, though, this Lebanese team, but just too tough of a division to compete in. I think Latvia is the better team as well. But as for Arakji, he's a guy that's a baller and would definitely catch some eyes for his ability to shoot in this year's tournament. So the last team I'm going to mention is France, the last team of the 32 that I'm going to preview here. They're always a powerhouse like the United States, like Serbia, like Spain, always a powerhouse internationally. This is the ninth appearance in the FIBA World Cup tournament. They won two bronze medals in 2014 and 2019. They actually won the silver medal at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, and they took home a second-place finish in the 2022 Euro Basketball Tournament as well. I became a big fan of them during the Tokyo Olympics. They were a fun team to watch. They played hard each and every possession, never really gave up, and they also could shoot and score. They were definitely an exciting team to watch. That's why I'm excited to see them play again in this year's tournament. Nick Batum is a headlining player here for France. He's always been very good for them internationally. He's going to retire, though, after the 2024 Olympics. So this will be his last time playing in the FIBA World Cup. And his last time playing in the NBA will be this upcoming season with the LA Clippers. Evan Fournier is another player that's been great internationally for France over the years. And then the last current NBA player on this French team is Rudy Gobert of the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have some guys that have played in the NBA over their careers, including Nando DiColo, Gershon Yebisele. They're always an experienced team, even if these guys only play internationally, just play in France. They're playing very good competition in France, even though it might not be the same as the NBA. So that's why every single time they get to an international tournament, France is always competing since they have guys that play in the NBA and then also guys that play overseas in Spain and in France as well. So now I'm going to break down some stats. Batum shot 38% from three in Tokyo in the 2020 Olympics. Also averaged 7.7 points per game during that run, where France ended up finishing second, as I said, bringing home the silver medal in the 2020 Olympics. He's repping the Clippers strong, rooting for him to do well. He's the only Clipper actually playing in the FIBA World Cup. Rudy Gobert averaging 13.4 points per game, 11.6 rebounds, and 1.4 blocks per game this past season for Minnesota. In Tokyo, he was very good for France, averaging 12.2 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, and 0.8 blocks per game. And then exhibitions heading into this FIBA World Cup, he averaged 13 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, and a block per game as well. Nato DiColo is a player that played some time in the NBA for the San Antonio Spurs. He's been playing, though, professionally, though, overseas for the last few years. He's a 34-year-old, 6'5 guard who's been a force for France over the years, averaging 15.6 points per game this past season in France's top professional league. 
Also, with 2.2 rebounds, 4 assists per game, and shot 46% from 3. In Tokyo, he was very good for the French team, averaging 13.5 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 1.5 steals, and shot 50% from 3 in Tokyo. Another player to watch out for is Isaiah Coudinier, a 26-year-old French small forward who played in Italy this past year, averaging 10.7 points per game and shot 43% from 3. He averaged 8 points and 38% from 3 in exhibition games for this FIBA World Cup. Also played in the Summer League in 2019 for the Brooklyn Nets. Had a 20-point game in the 2019 Summer League run, averaging 7 points per game and 3.6 rebounds per game in 2019. And then Mustafa Fall is a 7'2 French center who is 31 years old, who averaged 7.1 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, and 1.9 assists alongside 1.1 blocks per game in the top Greek league this past season. Also played for France in Tokyo as well, averaging 3.8 points per game and 2.3 rebounds. And then in seven exhibition games heading into this FIBA World Cup, he averaged just about five points per game and four rebounds per game. One unfortunate thing for this French team is they do not have Victor Wambanyama. He's getting ready to play this upcoming season for the San Antonio Spurs. He wanted to focus on that and get ready for his rookie season, so he's not playing for France. Unfortunately, it would have been fun to see him run alongside Mustafa Fall, Cordonier, Nando Dicolo, Rudy Gobert, Nick Batum. Yebusele, Fournier as well, but at the end of the day, he ended up choosing to get ready for this upcoming NBA season, which I respect, but this French team is definitely still capable of making a run even without him, but even with him, though, that would definitely be even more fun to watch. So now I'm going to move on to my predictions. We're going to start off with Group A. I have Italy being the winner in Group A and the Dominican Republic as the runner-up in Group A as well. So both those teams would advance. I have Philippines coming in third in Group A and Angola coming in fourth in Group A. Now we have Group B. I have Serbia as the winner in Group B. I have South Sudan as an upset pick as a runner-up in Group B. I think they can make a run in this tournament. If they were to get out of the first group stage, that'd be such an accomplishment for that country. Next up in Group B, I have Puerto Rico coming in third, and I have China ending out Group B coming in fourth. Next up is Group C, which I have the USA winning Group C, and I have Greece as the runner-up in Group C. I wanted to say New Zealand, but for some reason, I ended up changing my mind last minute since I already had some hot takes anyways, which you'll hear a few in just a minute, but I already had some hot takes, and I figured I'd go with Greece coming out as the runner-up here in Group C. I think Jordan, though, could make some noise. They do have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well as their naturalized player. It's a player I forgot to mention when I was previewing their roster, but that's definitely a good add for them on their team. And then I have New Zealand coming in fourth. So I have the USA as the winner in Group C. I have Greece as the runner-up. I have Jordan as the third team in Group C. And I have New Zealand coming in fourth. So Jordan coming in third is probably a hot take to most people. More people probably have New Zealand coming in third over Jordan. But I like their roster. As I said, a player to watch out for is Freddie Ibrahim, who, as I said, averaged 20 points per game, 9.2 assists, 5.5 rebounds, and 2.3 steals per game in the Jordan Premier League this past season. He's a guy that's going to catch some eyes in this year's tournament. That's why I think Jordan could potentially come in third in this group here, even though it would only be a difference between one win, between coming in third and fourth. I think Jordan could end up getting the win over New Zealand and end up placing third in Group C. So New Zealand would be fourth in Group C here in my predictions. Now moving on to Group D, we have Lithuania as the winner, Egypt as the runner-up, Montenegro as the third team in Group D, and Mexico as the fourth team here in Group D. But I was honestly torn between Egypt and Montenegro. I was close to saying Montenegro, but I went with the hot take and ended up going with Egypt. And if you look at Egypt, they played four exhibition games and had three close losses. They were one and three with three close losses, losing by 11 to China, six to Mexico, and six to Lebanon. I ended up saying that they could end up making a run here. If you look at it, they have a player, Amir Abdelahim, who scored 42 points against South Sudan in February, which was obviously impressive, averaged 17 points per game in the qualifying games. 
They also have Ahab Salah, who's a pure scorer, averaging 17 points per game in five qualifying games. And then also a big center as well in Anas Mahmoud. So I think this Egyptian team could definitely surprise people. And that's why I have them coming out here as a runner-up in this group. It's a hot take to some, but you have to have some hot takes in there. Everybody's got a different opinion, so and who knows what's going to happen. No one's ever going to get something completely right. So I'm going to go with Egypt here being the runner-up in Group D. I have Montenegro coming in third, and I have Mexico coming in fourth. Now in Group E, we have Germany as the winner, which might be a surprise to some. I think more people probably have Australia winning. I have Australia as a runner-up. I have Finland coming in third and Japan coming in fourth. I think this German team is dangerous. I think they're going to make a deep run in this year's tournament. And if you look at that roster, they have both Wagner brothers. They have Daniel Tice, Dennis Schroeder. That's a solid team right there. They definitely can make a run and even gave the U.S. some troubles. I said they were up by 16 points at one point over the U.S. in the last friendly between the U.S. and Germany. Next up, we have Group F. I have Slovenia as the winner, Georgia as the runner-up, Venezuela coming in third, and Cape Verde coming in fourth. In Group G, we have Spain as the winner in my predictions, with Brazil as the runner-up, Iran as the third team, and Ivory Coast as the fourth. I think that Iran-Ivory Coast game, though, would be a fun one to watch. Next up, we have Group H, which I have Canada winning that. I have France as the runner-up, which I'm going to explain why in just a second. I have Latvia as the third team here, and I have Lebanon as the fourth team in Group H. So here's the difference. If I had France winning Group H, that means that they would end up playing the U.S. in the semifinals, likely which I wouldn't want that to be the case. I want that to be my finals matchup. So I end up putting France as the runner-up here in Group H. So I had Canada winning Group H, even though I think France is the better team overall. Which you have my whole FIBA power rankings. I'm going to give a breakdown of the top 12 teams in the tournament. I think France is the better team than Canada, but just because I wanted France to face the U.S. in the finals, I had France as a runner-up here in Group H. I had Latvia coming in third in Group H, and I have Lebanon coming in fourth. I don't think Canada has the size that France brings, in my opinion. You have Mustafa Fall and also have Rudy Gobert in the paint. That's a ton of size. Gershon Yebisele as well, another piece that's going to be helping that French team in the paint. I think France is the better team, but just because I wanted them to face the United States in the finals and not the semifinals, I ended up choosing to put Canada here as the winner. Still could be the case where Canada ends up winning. As I said now multiple times, they have a very good roster, but I just didn't want France to play the U.S. in the semifinals. I wanted that to be the finals matchup to make a remake of the 2020 Olympics. So I have France versus the U.S. in the finals, but I'll get there in just a second. But either way, regardless who wins Group H, whether it's Canada or France, it's going to be a fun one to watch. I think Lebanon in Latvia, that'll be a fun game to watch as well. I think Latvia is a very underrated team. I actually have them as a top 10 team in my power rankings, but unfortunately just in the toughest group here in Group H going up against Canada and France. That's not really an easy draw for them in the group stage. So now I'm going to move on to talking about the second group stage here, and we're going to talk about Group I to start, which is the team that wins Group A and the runner-up in Group A, and then the team that wins Group B and the runner-up in Group B. That's who's going to be in Group I. So I have Italy, the Dominican Republic, and Serbia, along with South Sudan in Group I. And then in Group J, we have the United States, Greece, Lithuania, and Egypt. Group K consists of Germany, Australia, Slovenia, and Georgia. And Group L, it'll be Spain, Brazil, France, and Canada. I think of those groups, if this is the way things were to shake out, I think Group L would be the funnest one to watch in the second round of the group phase, considering you'd have France, Canada, and Spain all going at it. Three powerhouses here with a lot of talent on both all three of those rosters. I think that'd be a fun battle there to watch to see who wins Group L. But now I'm going to give a breakdown of who I think is going to end up advancing from the second group stage into the final phase. So let's look at Group I to start, which, as I said, consists of Italy, the DR, South Sudan, and Serbia. I think the winner of Group I will be Serbia, so they'll advance to the quarterfinals. And then I have the runner-up in Group I 
being Italy, so they would advance as well. So we have Serbia and Italy advancing here to the quarterfinals. In Group J, it was the United States, Greece, Lithuania, and Egypt in my predictions. In advancing from this second group and going on to the quarterfinals, I have the United States as the winner of Group J, and then the runner-up in Group J of his Lithuania. So those are the two teams advancing from Group J. Group K consisted of Germany, Australia, Slovenia, and Georgia are my predictions. I have the winner of Group K being Australia, and I have the runner-up in Group K being Germany. So those two teams advance from Group K. And the Group L consisted of Spain, Brazil, France, and Canada in my predictions. I have the winner of Group L being Canada, and I have the runner-up in Group L being France with a tiebreaker over Spain there. Since I said, as I mentioned already a million times now, I want France to end up facing the U.S. in the finals rather than the semifinals. And in doing so, that means France would probably have to lose to Canada in the first round and then probably go undefeated in Group L in order to get to the semifinals. So that's my predictions there of the quarterfinals. So now I'll give you a breakdown of the matchups here. So it would be the first in Group I, which I have Serbia, going up against a second team, the runner-up in Group J, which I have Lithuania. I have Serbia winning that game. The next matchup of the quarterfinals will be the winner of Group K, which I have Australia winning that, versus the runner-up in Group L, which I have being France. I have France winning that game over Australia. Then it would be the winner of Group J, which I have the United States winning Group J, against the runner-up in Group I, which is the Italian team. I have the USA beating Italy there and advancing. And then the last matchup in the quarterfinals would be the winner of Group L, which I have Canada winning that, going up against the runner-up of Group K. I have Germany being the runner-up there. And I have the winner of that game being Germany over Canada. So I have Germany advancing there. So now the semifinals matchup would be Serbia versus France and the United States versus Germany. So I have France beating Serbia there in the semifinals, and I have the United States beating Germany in the semifinals, making the finals matchup be the United States versus the France national team with Germany as the bronze medal winner. So I have the United States beating France in the finals, winning the gold. I have France winning the silver medal, and I have Germany coming in with the bronze medal. So now for some predictions of the tournament. I think the MVP of the tournament will be Anthony Edwards, He's been a scoring machine in the exhibition games for the U.S. team. It seems like he is the dog and the alpha of that squad. It seems like the offense is going to run through him. And the sky's the limit. Has all the talent and the athleticism in the world to take over. I think he's going to end up being the MVP of the tournament. A dark horse candidate for the MVP, though, is Rudy Gobert. If France were to win the whole tournament, I think it's the biggest reason they were to win if they do win. So... I think he could end up being the best dark horse candidate to win MVP. He's a dominant force in the paint, and some countries would not have any answer for him in the paint considering how good he is defensively and how underrated he is offensively as well. For some dark horse teams that could contend, I think Latvia is a sneaky team. Even though they only have Davis Bertans as the only NBA player, they were 5-1 and one in friendlies. They were 11-1 and one in pre-qualifiers and qualifying games. The issue is that they're in the same group as France and Canada, so it's going to be tough for them to advance. But you never know. Maybe they were to upset Canada in the first group stage and they find a way to get out with it being France and Latvia leaving that group. That would be an interesting thing there to see. I think Latvia is definitely a sneaky team to watch. I think France and Canada still advance, though, out of that group age. But I would not be surprised if Latvia makes it hard, though. I think Latvia is going to be a tough team to get by. Another team that's going to be a dark horse squad, in my opinion, is Italy. They have very good depth. Simone Fontecchio, a guy I already mentioned, a very good player for the Utah Jazz, is going to be the main piece for them on offense. But they also have Nico Mannion, Gigi Dottome, two solid side pieces around him as well. I think Italy is going to be a team that could definitely contend and make somewhat of a run, but I don't think it's going to be enough for them to go that far. As I said, I have them losing anyways in the quarterfinals to the United States. The most underrated team in the tournament, in my opinion, is Germany. Right now, they have the eighth best odds to win it all. I don't think they win it. 
since the road for them is difficult, but I think they're very capable of making it to the semifinals rather than losing to the United States. I think they end up coming in with a bronze medal at the end of the tournament. They're an underrated team led by Dennis Schroeder, Daniel Tice, and the Wagner brothers. They have a very deep team, and also, as I said now multiple times, they gave the U.S. some trouble, and they were up by 16 points at one point in that game. I think Germany could be a handful for some teams. I have them coming in as the bronze medal winner in this year's tournament. I think the most overrated team in the tournament is Slovenia. I know Luka Doncic got them a fourth-place finish at the Olympics in Tokyo, but I don't think that happens again. I think they're overrated. I think Greece is overrated as well, considering they don't have Giannis in this year's tournament. I don't think Greece makes a far run. I don't think Slovenia does either. I think both of those teams are the most overrated teams in the tournament. So now for my FIBA power rankings here, I'm going to give a breakdown of the top 12 teams, and I did this just for fun. And even though I have Serbia as, let's say, the 7th ranked team, which I do have them ranked as the 7th best team in this power ranking, I end up having them making it to the bronze medal game just with the way seedings and group matchups shake out. I have them ending up making it further than the seventh best overall finish. So this isn't based on where I think teams will finish. This is really based on right now power rankings regardless of matchups and seedings. So starting off, I have the U.S. as the best team in the tournament. I have France as the second best. I have Canada as three. Germany as four. Australia as five. Spain as six. Serbia as seven. Italy as eight. Lithuania as nine. A very underrated Latvian team as 10. I have Finland as 11 and Montenegro as 12. And then as for the best groups to watch in the first group stage, I think E is going to be a very fun group to watch. You have Germany, Australia, Finland, and Japan. I think Finland is definitely capable of being able to score some points, especially considering they have Laurie Makinen, who had a terrific year this past year for the Utah Jazz. I think that'll be a fun group to watch. That'll definitely be a tough one to come out of, though, for Finland. I think Germany and Australia ended up making it out of Group E. And then as for the best group to watch, I think H is going to be a very fun group to watch. And that includes Canada, France, Latvia, and Lebanon. I think Canada, France, Latvia, that'll be three fun teams to watch. I think even Lebanon has some underrated players and definitely will be a team that's not going to be an easy out. Even though they have no NBA players, they did have that player that I mentioned, Will Arakji, who shot 60% from three in qualifiers. He's a baller that would catch some eyes. I already mentioned him already. A 6-4 point guard who averaged 20 points per game and one and a half steals in qualifying games. And then you have Latvia as well, who is 11-1 in pre-qualifiers and qualifying games. And as I said, they only have Davis Bertans, their only NBA player. They're missing Kristaps Porzingis. But they have a sneaky team that's dangerous. As I said, they beat Finland by 37 in an exhibition game and finished 5-1 in six friendlies. I think that that Latvian team could definitely be a good underdog team to watch in that group. If they were to make it out of Group H, I think Canada ends up missing. I think if Latvia were to make it, they beat Canada. I think France ends up making it out of Group H. I don't see France losing early, but as I said in my predictions, I only had France losing and coming out of Group H as the runner-up because I wanted to shake out with a potential chance for the U.S. to play France in the finals rather than in the semifinals. I mean, the way things could work out, maybe they would still play France earlier than that. You never know. I mean, just the way things were to shake out in the second group stage. But regardless of my predictions, I wanted there to be a chance for France to end up facing the U.S. as a Tokyo rematch in the finals here in the FIBA World Cup. So that's just the way I think shaking out. I think Group H will be the best group and the most exciting group to watch. Canada, Latvia, France, three teams that I think can compete. As I said, I think Latvia is a very good dark horse team to watch. But in my predictions, I have Canada coming out as a winner and I have France coming out as a runner-up. We'll see what happens, obviously, though, in the tournament. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Take it easy and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.